under Moneyball. Uh, if anyone, if either of you guys care about Marvel, because that's all anyone ever wants to talk about to me. No, I care not. I don't. I care not. I'm. S- this is this is why we're friends. <laughs> You're the only two other people on the whole planet that don't give a crap. And yeah. I had we have to be friends. <laughs> Are either of you watching was, Game of Thrones? No, no. I, I want yes. to. Don't get me wrong. I yes. do want to, but I am not doing it. No, I, I, I did watch I watched the first five seasons of Game of Thrones, but I really? Wa- yeah, I, I did not. I, well, I did not. I, I watched, watched the some... first episode about a thousand times and kept falling asleep. <laughs> well, you guys know know my deal with like when things are really popular and yeah. everyone's like, "Oh, you got to watch it." Normally, like I'm okay, I'll, I'll watch it, but not now because everyone's watching it right now, and I don't think I'll view it with a clear mind, you know. But the Game of Thrones thing, I just don't think. I say this to people and they're like, no, you would love it, dude. And I'm just like, maybe, but number one, it's a huge investment. Like every episode is as long as a movie. Um, and I just, you don't want to invest that much time in my life right now to that. And also, I don't know. I like real, I like shows about real people in real situations. Game of Thrones is like fantasy, you know, and the same thing with Marvel, really. That's kind of how I feel about that. I'm not, I'm not anti those things. I, I just prefer to watch real shows about real people you know i think i remember you telling me you'd never seen lord of the rings either because of that very reason yeah yeah that's why that's why i haven't seen any of that i haven't i mean honestly i've seen the first harry potter movie and i read the first book like i have never really been that into anything that's not grounded in some type of reality yeah exactly (laughs) exactly that's that's exactly how i feel too and it's just a preference thing you know i'm not anti those things there there are a handful of things that don't fit that category that i that i do like like i love the dark knight series a lot um yeah those are just so well like rick and morty a lot a lot oh yeah well cartoons Uh, are different you know because cartoons are never rooted in reality that's what's great about them well i guess they are sometimes but um and then that that show lost that's like the one show that i really really got into when it was popular that was a lot fantasy a lot sci-fi but the characters were kind of rooted in reality too maybe that's why i connected with it but that's one show that was in that vein that i really really enjoyed i feel like the next time there's a movie where they go back in time to like the early 2000s or the 90s or whatever it's got to be early 2000s like that'll be in the trailer where like they just went back in time and someone like busts in the room, and then the guy's like, "Have you guys seen this show Lost?" <laughs> <laughs> did you guys did you guys watch Lost? No, I, a, I was aware of how big it was. I never watched it yeah, at all. Yeah, it's a uh, one thing about that show is like the se- the first season is by far the best, I think, and the second season is still really good. Third season is pretty good. Fourth season, it's okay. Fifth season, uh, what are you doing? And sixth season's like WTF. Like, where did this show go? Like, what happened to it? The writers, <laughs> the writers strike in LA happened like in the middle of that show, and a lot of shows kind of got messed up because of the writers' strike because they didn't get worked on for like a year. Um, that may be part of the reason, but that's been such yeah. a long time ago. But I remember it being such a big deal when it happened. Yeah, no, it was yeah. a huge deal. Yeah, it's been like eleven it was, years. Didn't that happen in like two thousand eight? 
<laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, I, th- I think I was in graduate school. Yeah, maybe even yeah. before then. Um, but I, I wanted to say one thing going back to what you said about the Dark Knight. Um, I think the reason that that is so so uh, easy for you to digest, even though it is it, it really is a fantasy, um, is because, I, and I say this to everyone that I talk to about the Dark Knight, is that the Christopher Nolan Batman movies are not superhero movies. They're they're Christopher Nolan films that feature Batman. So it's like yeah, he, he yeah. makes he made a movie that is a Chris Nolan movie. It's just like all the other Chris Nolan movies, which is excellent, excellent filmmaking. He just featured a character that is fantastic. And, of course, I mean, a lot of his other movies are pretty fantastic, too, you know? Inception, um, Interstellar. Is that a Chris Nolan movie? Interstellar? Who did that? He might be produced it. I think he produced it. I don't know if he directed that one. That had to have been Chris, because it had the same music that Hans Zimmer makes (laughs) for his movies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The uh, the Hans Zimmer Everyone knows womp what womp. that means. I, I mean, <laughs> you both you both womp knew womp. what I was talking about, though, right? <laughs> I did. That's Maybe. exactly what you were talking. That about. is directed by Chris Nolan. It is directed by Chris Nolan. Yeah, I figured. What was the uh, the war movie he did not too long ago? Dunkirk. That movie was yeah. awesome. Dunkirk. Yeah, I never, I never I saw it. Oh man, it's so good. I still need to see it. It's so good. I'm afraid. I mean, it's long, and people have told me they've seen it and they thought that it was boring. But I mean. If you go into a war movie and you're not going to expect at least a little bit of boredom, you're you're probably misunderstanding <laughs> what you're about to watch. It's like how people don't understand the nature of war. I think war. that yeah, well, also, that literally that is a probably a stylistic choice because that is kind of the nature of war. Like you are bored a lot yeah. and then you are terrified for your life a lot. And it's Exactly. Yeah, dude, it's a very, it's a very good movie. I, you guys should definitely see it. I really recommend it. Okay, I'll check it out. It's probably like six hours long. I bet. But no, it's it it's out. under three. It's under three. It's under three. But oh, okay. it is close to three. I think it's like two hour forty five or something. It's a yeah. it's an event. Oh, man. It's a thing you, Speak, you, you we have should to see do. Endgame. Have you guys seen Endgame? Oh, Endgame. dude, that new Endgame. movie. <laughs> Endgame. <laughs> the greatest movie that's ever been made, according to everyone that's seen it, because they all care way Endgame. more than I do. Yeah. yeah. All right, now that we've offended literally everyone else on the planet, <laughs> we can really get down to this discussion about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, there, there's been some overtime basketball, guys, this weekend. Some pretty fantastic free games. basketball. On Friday free night, basketball. we had that uh, four-overtime game. Denver in Portland for game three. Series was tied 1-1. It really, tell me if you guys feel the same. It really reminded me of that classic game the Thunder played in Memphis, game four. I think the Thunder was down 1-2, and it went to three overtimes. It really reminded me of that game. Like those games where you just play so many minutes, I mean, you really see the will of all the players, you know, and yeah, and how much they didn't want Jokic it. play like an hour and a half or something, or like an hour. He played like over 65 sixty minutes. minutes. Sixty five yeah. minutes. Jokic played. I mean, that's a lot for anybody, but especially like a big dude. You know, that's like that double the minutes of a normal, like just regular old starter. Yeah, yeah. that's that's that, pretty ridiculous that sucks. for someone like him too. That is, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he does. He looks like he's tired. You know, four minutes into the game, much less sixty five minutes into the game. So, yeah. You know, uh, Portland's pretty good. It wasn't it wasn't Dame that sealed the victory for the Blazers. It wasn't C.J. McCollum. Um, it was Rodney Hood. 
Rodney Hood, it, dude, they picked up. Uh, wasn't wasn't he uh, waived by the by Cleveland, and then they picked him up after that, or was that last season? I don't remember. I, I don't because he last played. Time I remember Utah, him playing right? for is, Cle- is Cleveland. Well, he played in Cleveland uh, more recently than Utah, I think. Yeah, I he remember Donovan Mitchell saying that he that Rodney Hood was his biggest influence his first year, and that was last year. So maybe he was maybe he was traded to Cleveland last he year. He definitely played in Cleveland like in the finals last year. Um, mm. yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Am I really uh, going to have to Google Rodney Hood right now? I just did. <laughs> he started this season in Cleveland, and I think that they waived him, and I think Portland picked him up on the open market, just like they did Ennis Canner. So it's crazy when you when you get a guy like that that can contribute that much and essentially seal the victory for you in a very important playoff game. I mean, that's that's a pretty good thing. And Ennis Canner has really been great for them too. I know he's really injured right now. Um. But that was fantastic. Really good basketball. Uh, a lot of a lot of offense in in those games. Um, but both did you guys see pretty good defensively too? Go ahead, Victor. Um, at the end of that game, <laughs> Cantor like was getting some ice or something done on his shoulder. I guess he like dislocated his shoulder or something. And then he he had put some tweet just about that picture in the room getting wrapped up about how he couldn't like hold his arm up. <laughs> and then Evan Turner quoted it. It was like this real dramatic, bro. <laughs> I do. I did see that. That made me laugh. And also really like killed me inside. Did you guys see the the Onion article within his canner? Um, uh-uh. I don't. It okay. Here well. here's the title. Let me read it to you. Here's the title. Ennis Cantor grateful to escape from oppressive failing dictatorship in New York. I do. Okay. Yeah. I remember seeing that one. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? He retweeted it himself. I love Ennis Cantor, man. He I is, love him. He is going hardcore on social media right now. I think, yeah. I think once yeah. he realized that the NBA was going to listen to him about this whole Turkish Twitter account business, like mm-hmm. he's been like, I have a voice now and I'm going to use it. Like he's been, re- he's been retweeting things from that Royce Young has tweeted about him. Like everything, I love yeah. the man. I, I'm really he's sad that him. he's playing really well right now because he made that comment after our series that really stung a lot when he, he just tweeted out, "I you know can play Cantor, can um, play Cantor, yeah." And it really bummed me because number one, yeah, you can play right now, uh, but if you think that you could play against Houston, you're still wrong. I mean that's. Nothing will change the fact that you were still a liability, a huge liability against Houston in that series when we when Billy Donovan had to say that. So, yeah. like, I love you, guy, but, like, that doesn't change the fact that you were a problem then. You've gotten better, and you're, I mean, you've always given full effort, you know? That's the reason that Thunder fans love you. But, um, yeah. So, Ennis, if you're listening. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's not listening. That's my yeah. point. <laughs> I actually, oh, he's definitely one of our listeners. <laughs> I, w- I was actually okay with that tweet. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah. you do. You can, or I would, I would have probably we done the same it. thing. I would have done the same thing if I was, if I was him, you know, I, I would have tweeted that out. This is what I've said to everyone since the series. Like basically 90% of the hate that the team has gotten since the series ended, we have deserved flat out. We deserve it. Like the fans, we've been arrogant for a long time. The team is certainly arrogant. The front office is confused. We've got a problem. 
coaching staff, like we all, we deserve the hate, not all of it. Like people saying that like Russell is the worst player of all time. No, you're, you know, sit, sit, settle down <laughs> a little bit. That's not accurate. Um, but yeah, he stunk. And so I, I've kind of owned it and you know, I love Canner. Let him do that. He, he, he has earned it for Who sure. You Canner. Yeah. I'm looking forward to game four today, actually. And they played, you know, four overtimes. Players were all exhausted afterwards. Uh, CJ McCollum was asked after the game, like, you know, how are you guys going to, going to regroup for game four, which is like in 40 hours or whatever. And he was just like, it's what we're built for. And you know, it's what we work for. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be pretty good. Uh, Eddie, I have a question for you. Uh, Victor and I were talking via text. I think it was on the chain that you are in actually. So with James Harden and his eye, I think he looks like a villain from a comic book. And Victor thinks he looks like a crackhead. Uh, Which does he look like to you? (laughs) He looks, he reminds me of, uh, the half melted Terminator. <laughs> do you remember that, that look when yeah, you saw yeah, the red eye, but you still saw like a kind of a regular other eye. That's what he looks like to me. Um, that's a good, uh, connotation too. Cause he's killing it right now. <laughs> he's, uh, he's shooting the basketball pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, you know, the series, I knew it would be entertaining, and it is It is quite entertaining. Um, a lot of people think that that the Warriors are going to take care of them in Game 4 and then close it out in Game 5. I think the Rockets may get another win, but I, I do think the, the Warriors are going to win. Unfortunately, Kevin Durant was pretty fantastic in the game last night. That also went to overtime, enjoying some, some free basketball in the postseason here in the second round. Yeah. He had a big boy move in that overtime. He had that Euro step where he cut through the defense and dunked on him where I was like, oh, man, I think that they might win this game. But luckily, they still lost. But yeah, did you if you haven't seen it, Eddie, you've got to watch Steph blow this dunk. I mean, I saw that. I saw that. I saw man. It's pretty. It is fantastic. It is so true to character. I mean, Go back and look at the re- one of the reasons that they lost to Cleveland in 2016 was because Steph tried a behind-the-back pass, and he turned the ball over at the end of a game. And he came back and he tried to dunk it because he missed the previous layup. And I don't know, man. Like, he he's arrogant. And I think that we mm-hmm. all kind of know that. And so he's trying to – he's doing stuff that's like, what are you doing, man? Now, the thing is, Russ does those sorts of things all the time. Um, so we just have kind of accepted it. So when Steph does it, it's a very big deal. Um, but he seems to do it all, always in very important moments. It's very strange yeah. considering how good he is. I would like to see Steph Curry's overall numbers specifically to the postseason. Because, you know, he's he's has three rings, but he has zero finals MVPs. Because the one that they won before Kevin got there was uh, uh, Andre Iguodala won that award basically for his defense in that series. And, uh, you know, he, I would just like to see the numbers. It seems to me like he is better in the regular season than the postseason, And we kind of saw that on display last night Uh, because he blew that dunk, but then also there wasn't something else like earlier in the game. He blew like a, I think it was in the fourth quarter. Actually, he blew like a layup or whatever, um, that he normally makes in the regular season. Go ahead, Victor. Well, I was actually, mine was a sidebar. I was just going to talk about the testament to LeBron James's legacy. That should be part of it. I was straight up going to say the, the same finals. thing. 
<laughs> a player won the finals MVP for being able to defend him. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's insane. A very good point. That is insane. <laughs> you did a good enough job on the opposing player, so you're now our most important player. Like, that's nuts. And that was the year that Steph Curry was like, I mean, that was his emerged. He that was the year he came yeah. out and was just like, "Hey guys, I am suddenly the greatest shooter of all time. Bow before me." <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm looking I mean, up. I'm trying to find his splits right now of yeah, regular like and postseason. See those um, actually. That's all star. Victor, you watched the game, right? I uh, watched the last quarter and a little bit. Well, so yeah. after Steph blew that dunk, and I think the Rockets were up by two or three. I think they were up by three actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so it wouldn't have even tied the game uh, or put them ahead. But then there were 14 seconds left, and the Warriors didn't foul. I mean, they just kind of gave up, uh, and they kind of said, okay, you know, let's let's get him in game four. This is over, I guess. A lot of people, I mean, uh, Van Gundy was on the call, and he was just like, why aren't they fouling? I, the game's not over. I mean, this 14 seconds is a long time in a game like this, you know, especially like a highly contested overtime playoff game. Um, yeah. I mean, did you read anything into that? Like, if... I mean, to me, uh, I don't know. I mean, I talk crap on the Warriors all the time because that's just what's in my heart. I mean, to me, they don't play with energy and focus a lot of the time because they know it's just like in the bag for them. They know they have two of the most talented players in the league, three of the best shooters in the league on their team. So, you know, maybe they don't commit the kind of you know, ferocity that, that they need to have to, to win a lot of these games. And I, I kind of saw that on display with that, you know, cause any other team I think would have fouled and, and tried to actually win the game. But I don't know. Am I reading too much into it? What do you think? I think that <clears throat> first of all, how didn't Houston shoot something like 60 or other three pointers that night? <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure they did. I don't know the exact number. I can look it up probably real quick. Not. Probably closer to 40 or 50. Um, but I don't know. I think that Golden State is probably just under the impression that they could turn it on if they really need to. You get in a game like that where it's already really testy in this particular series, and you wonder if he's if there's like some damage control to be done to make sure that we don't make an awful error happen where someone gets injured or someone gets in a bad situation. I don't know. It felt real chippy the whole time that I was watching. Um, So it seemed like gravity was becoming too dense and an explosion was about to happen, but they shot, I guess 42 threes. They shot 42, threes. 42. They made 18. So almost 43%, which is obviously very good. Uh, James Harden shot 13 and the next highest, (laughs) next highest person was Shumpert and he shot five and made three of them. Actually, he, he was pretty, pretty key for them last night. He made some very timely shots. He shot more threes than Eric Gordon. I mean, I I only got to watch the first half. I mean, Eric Gordon was, Oh no, never mind. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. I thought he shot shot five or six threes in the first (laughs) quarter. Yeah, he shot 14, and he made seven of them. Actually, that's great. No, he had a great that first half. He was nuts. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I uh, I like Eric Gordon. I think I think he's a very very good shooter, and I I like the way that he plays. He's always very like he he's like a Spurs type player. You know, he he just goes out I there like and he's him like, and PJ right, Tucker both. Do. 
this is my job. I'm going to do it right now. And I just did it. Great. All right. Next game. Let's go. Like he, he's, he's very about business and I, I kind of respect that. Houston has Ooh, several good for players another... that I think would be very good for the Thunder that I'm, I'm, I'm jealous that we didn't get. Oh yeah. Yeah. Him, I, I, I would yeah. love to see Eric Gordon in a Thunder jersey. I, I I've always that. thought Kenneth Freed would, would have been great for us. Um, so does my yeah. dad. He fits our play style perfectly. He, yep. it, well, more he fits our 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 type of player perfectly. He's very bouncy, athletic, and he tries really hard when he plays. Yeah, yeah. I always liked watching him, uh, especially when he was in Denver. You know, yep. several seasons ago, he was um, like the best thing about the Nuggets for years. Just going back to yeah. what you were wondering, I looked up just if you're looking at the box plus minus, which is a, a pretty good indicator. This is not plus minus um, like points. This is, this is using rating. Um, he's been pretty much the same in the regular season that he has been in the playoffs every year, but that is down this year. He is down in both the regular season and the playoffs, um, in all of compared to all of their championship years. So Mm. take that for what it's worth. I think the Warriors as a whole have been down this year. I just think they've, they've lost, you know, they, I don't think they have the drive to want to do it. As much That's as what I'm saying, to. man. This has like always been a problem flaw. in the NBA. Always been a yeah. problem. I mean, no team has won four championships in a row, or even four out of five, really, uh, since the '60s. Celtics. I, I, the Lakers may have won four out of five in the '80s. I know they three peated, right? Didn't the Lakers three peat? They've they they three peated with Shaq and Kobe, but they lost in the fourth year. And then they got oh, okay. completely destroyed in the fifth year. Um, I think swept out. Wasn't that against um, who did they who beat them that year? The year right before Shaq left. I don't. I don't know. Um, but my point is remember. like four in a row or four out of five. That's really hard to do. I mean, you can speculate that Michael Jordan Bulls would have done that if he had not retired, but he did retire. So they won three, and then he didn't play for a year and a half, and then they won three again. Um, but other than that, like you go have to go back to the '60s, so <laughs> it's insane. Is, it's still, it's still amazing to think about that yeah. happening. He's like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And then, <laughs> I'm gonna go play and baseball. Back. <laughs> and he's like, All right, I'm back. Uh, let's, okay, resume. Literally, that's that's how what he said too. He sent a fax. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> yeah, so great. Exactly. Do you think, uh, you know, the way that the entire world sees the Warriors? right now you know and has seen the Warriors for the past few seasons where a lot of people are of the belief that like okay you know they're gonna win you know and it's that's just what's gonna happen um do you think like back in the day people felt that about Jordan's Bulls too where I mean did they just think like well the Bulls are the best team and they're just gonna win you know because that's exactly what is supposed to happen because Michael Jordan's the the best that has ever done it but I think think it was also after his first championship probably yeah I think it was yes, but I think it was also how are they going to win? There was excitement in how they were going to beat particular people. How yeah. are they going to beat Carl Malone and John Stockton? John Stockton, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, consider this: in his second three-peat, the Bulls never lost more than two games in a row. Never. Can you insane. can you believe that three years in a row with not having three loss three consecutive losses? That's like. The Thunder can't even go two months without three consecutive losses. <laughs> like, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, mm. I, I'm definitely not comparing this Warriors team to to Jordan's Bulls because I don't think that's a fair comparison. Because sure, obviously they had Jordan, who who you know is is the best that has ever done it, more than likely. And then they had Pippen as well, who is you know an outstanding player, possibly a top ten, top fifteen player in the NBA at the time. But that does not compare to Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. It doesn't. It just doesn't compare to that. Well, I don't think. I also here's. I also feel like that Chicago Bulls team just worked hard and became good at the style of basketball that was already being played. And Golden State has come in and just like ah, let's let's do it this way. This is easier for us. Oh man! And then that's forced other comment. people to play that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's a great comment. Not saying uh, it didn't take a lot of talent to be deadly from everywhere outside the three point line. I'm just saying to change the whole scope of how to play uh, is you know there's a there's a grace period in there where you get to live in it and it's amazing. But you know there are people catching up. You got Houston, for example. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Fine. Shoot. Shoot. We'll shoot. <laughs> yeah. These. This is man. I, these are the I have never hated two basketball teams more than than these two teams. I mean, <laughs> for the entire reasons that I mean, they're, they're they made a stinking movie about it. Steph Curry, the man who who killed the game, like they're they're we're romanticizing it, but like I legitimately hate the three pointer. I hate it. <laughs> and I know that I know that that's just a lot of salt from build up uh, build up from years of having a team that cannot shoot threes. But man, it just seems so wrong that you can have a team that plays basketball in a much better, much more fluid way lose because there's a couple guys on the opposing team that can shoot from really far away. Like that just is I don't I don't know, man. I don't think that the three-point shot I don't know. It's ridiculous. It's never going saying, away because the, it's good. Eddie, are it, you saying that we what? should make basketball great again and go back? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah. And go back to the good old days. Let's make hats and only, and only play in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Um, probably <laughs> can't be pro- honestly, if we're going to go by the book, it, it can't be integrated. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I mean, look, I, the three pointer is fun and it's exciting, but the fact that Houston has kind of looking like sprinkles look, looking, looked at the, <laughs> yeah, basically like I hate sprinkles. If you ask me, if you ask me for sprinkles or want, if I want sprinkles, I'm going to tell you no. And if they're, but if they're there, like fine, I'll deal with them, whatever. But like, <laughs> I don't know. I, the fact that Houston has, has taken a look at, the game and the rules and they found basically the, the shortcut the cheat code path to play to win basketball games which is to shoot the most effective shot the three-point shot and to try to foul by because that is by definition the most efficient efficient way to get points because you're not using any time or any shots um and then also trying to just get dunks but that's not even i think that their their biggest focus their dunks are only uh, a means to an to an end of opening up their three point shots. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know, man, I don't like watching it. It's not, I, I don't, I don't enjoy it. And I don't, I don't enjoy whenever I watch in the, in some stretches when the thunder do play very well, they play very well defensively. They play 
very good offensively in the half court, move the ball, all of this. This has happened. We've seen this. And then you can watch another team like Portland or or Golden State or Houston just make like three three-pointers in a row and suddenly all of the work that you've put in is for naught. It, there's no, it's gone. You, your lead is gone because they made some long shots. I don't, I don't like it. And I really don't like that. That's the way that the entire NBA is going, mm. but I can't do it. You are a it. basketball purist. I guess you could say that. I don't know, man. I, I, I think that the three pointer was, was cooler back in the eighties and nineties when it wasn't like the focus. It was just like a, Oh, watch this. Like when Michael Jordan made six threes in the, in one half, that was a huge deal in the early nineties. Now that's like nothing. Players do that regularly. Oh yeah. Players it's, do that in it's a quarter. Nothing. Yeah, six threes in a quarter. I mean, when you got <laughs> James Harden shooting 13, 15, sometimes more than that threes in a game, I don't know, man. I don't like it. I just yeah. love that everyone's getting to listen to us age. And, uh, <laughs> Get off my lawn. More and more Yeah. More and more children are on the lawn. Um uh, well, no, but here's the thing. My, you're exactly right. My opinion is, is not popular, and the numbers show that I'm, I'm objectively wrong in terms of what's good for the NBA because the NBA is a business, first and foremost, not just a steward of a sport. So for the NBA, you're getting a lot more people watching the NBA whenever it's exciting and there's a lot of points scored. So, yeah, of mm-hmm. course you want to open the offense up. You want to make it harder for the defense. You want people shooting crazy, ridiculous – 37 foot three pointers to win the series. You want that. That's what the NBA wants, even though it's objectively a bad basketball move. So I, you know, what, what am I going to do about it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Are you saying it was a bad shot? It was a bad shot. I made that point <laughs> clear in the last episode. I will yeah. live forever. That's a bad shot. Yeah, It's a bad shot. Also just clarifying, clarifying. You do not want a four point shot. You know, <laughs> frankly, I think if they made a half quarters, four point shots, uh, because yeah. I don't think anyone would ever be able to get good enough to make that the focus of their offense. <laughs> no, that would never happen. And the fact that it would open up the, I mean, it would open the floor up so much. There's just no way that defenses would be able to contend with that. You know, like if you yeah. started your, if you started your offense at the three, at the one quarter mark of the court, like, the, I don't know, man, the court, I mean, you, it would be a layup line for most of the game. Because you would just be passing the ball full full court. It'd be a lot of lots, injuries, lots of turnovers. Yeah, probably a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll make one more comment about the uh, Golden State Houston series, and then uh, we'll move on and talk about uh, the Eastern Conference a little bit. I have noticed that, especially in in last night's game, like Houston is doing everything they can to defend Golden State from the three point line, and their scheme in doing this there has been a lot of golden state players that have made really quick cuts to the rim and have just had wide. And I mean like wide open shots at the rim. Um, and if Houston wants to be competitive in this series at all, they're going to have to figure that out because it happened at least five times last night. I mean, not even contested because golden state just spreads you out. They got so many shooters all over the floor at all times. I mean, really Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, those two players right there, those are players that should be double teamed pretty much all the time. You know, uh, if, if you want to limit them to, to anything, you know, otherwise they're just going to go off just like Kevin Durant did last night. So anyway, okay. So today we have game four between the 76ers and the Raptors. 76ers are up 
two games to one. And news coming out yesterday, I believe, that Pascal Siakam cannot play. He's out injured uh, in game four. So a lot of pressure on the Raptors on the road. They don't want to go down 3-1. Um, are you still – well, I guess you guys – I don't remember who you guys picked in this series, but I, I don't either, frankly. <laughs> I mean, look it up right now. This yeah. is why we have it. Yep, we look go. it up, Victor. Uh, I kind of uh, think the Raptors are going to tie it up today. Uh, I think I think Kawhi Leonard is, wow. is going to figure Victor, out. Victor, you're the only done. one. <laughs> I am. You picked go me. You picked Philly in seven. It's good. I I think Kawhi is going to step up for sure today. I mean, Kawhi, and I saw this graphic that he has cons- every single postseason. He has consistently scored more points than he did in the last time he was in the postseason every year of his career. And he's been in the postseason almost every year of his career, um, except for that one that he didn't play with with um, San Antonio. So I, I expect Kawhi to come out and just – I expect him to take the game. I mean, I think that that's what he's got to do if Toronto is going to get out of this series because I don't see them beating Philadelphia three times in a row after this, especially – having to do one of those games in Philadelphia again. I just, I don't see that they're not, I'm not confident enough in them at home um, in the playoffs to say that they can win both those games. Yeah. They do have that weird thing where they tend to pretty much always lose game one and everything. They didn't this year, which they didn't. Well, they, they did in the first series. No, no, Uh, no, right. I mean, sorry. I meant this, this series, not this year. Yeah. 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 They took care of Philly. Who do you want to win? Between Philly and Toronto, Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia would be a more entertaining series against. I don't like either, Toronto against either um, <laughs> either Milwaukee or Boston. I mean, just because Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid is entertaining. Yeah, he's just it's entertaining on the court, and I it would be like when he makes all those threes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know he's kind just, of he's obnoxious, <laughs> um, but you know that's it's because he doesn't play for us, you know. Everyone in the world hates <laughs> Russell Westbrook because he doesn't play for them. And so they find all the reasons they can to say that their hate is legitimate. And Joel Embiid, I think, can is very, I just very say, similar to, to Russ in that regard. I feel like a little B, because um, I've had so much negative energy towards Pascal Siakam and I was injured. So now I feel like I should relax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then we got uh, Milwaukee and uh, Boston. Uh, Boston played really well and, and got that victory uh, in game one against Milwaukee. And then Milwaukee basically opened game two up in the second half and, and took care of business. And then the same thing happened game three, first home game for Boston. Just It was tight in the first half, and then they kind of opened it up and just took control in the second half. Um, do you give Boston much of a chance here, or do you think that Milwaukee is going to close it out in five or six? I think Milwaukee's going to close it out. I, I don't trust Boston in a lot of the same ways that I don't trust or didn't trust the Thunder. Yeah. 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 Bo- That's how Boston. I feel. I feel like Boston could play well, but I just don't know that they will. I think Kyrie is just too, uh, a little too self-absorbed, frankly. I, 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 I don't know. I think that he... Like all of, all of his comments that he's been making and calling himself a genius, someone someone on Reddit was like, you know, Kyrie is the Kanye West of basketball, and I was like, you know, you <laughs> might be onto something a little bit there. Like he's really good for sure, but he like sometimes talks a little bit more than maybe he should about how good he is. 
So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I still think I, I I still think Kanye is probably better in what he does than Kyrie is, but that's a different discussion. Um, no, I, I Kyrie's good, but I don't know that he is good enough to be the number one guy to win a championship with a team. So I I don't I don't expect them to to beat Milwaukee. No, I don't either. Uh, Kyrie yeah. Irving is an interesting player. Uh, you know the decision for him to leave LeBron, leave Cleveland and go somewhere else was very, very spicy. And that trade was insanity, you know, that sent Isaiah Thomas to Cleveland. And obviously that was terrible for Cleveland. It didn't work out at all, but I think we'll learn a lot about Kyrie this summer when he decides where he wants to play. And then also next season when, when we see like kind of what his motivation and what his mentality is next season. And you know, if he does team up with Kevin Durant or if he does team team up with Kawhi Leonard somewhere or whatever happens, because um, he's an interesting player. I, I kind of it's really interesting to hear him talk. Actually, he's he's pretty well spoken and articulate. And I don't know. I just kind of wonder what drives. That's why him, I think he's just know? a big old troll. I think that he I would like to believe that there's got to be because I think about myself. If I was an NBA superstar, I would not even kind of be myself in front of the camera i would make up this crazy character that's just a wild human being yeah that doesn't make any sense just to troll everyone because it doesn't matter because i'm taking all of your money all i'm doing is taking all of your money and being really good at this yeah a lot of people think that's what russell does you know because he's like family man really nice person off the court but on the court and then also with the media and obviously he's not a big fan of the media but I don't think any NBA player is really some players just choose to just choose to appease them a little bit more than Russell but a lot of people think that Russell just plays a character you know with all the next question stuff and you know he just I, th- I think unfortunately I think Damian Lillard pretty much said and he was 100% accurate um, in saying that you know what Russell does in games is for himself. It's to get himself going. I mean, like the character that he plays is purely for his own benefit um, because it helps him. It motivates him. That's how he does it. And some guys are like that. Some guys aren't. He's just the loudest about it, I think. But yeah, I think it would be very interesting. And we've talked about this a whole lot already, but looking at, if you were to see a, a team up with, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, both players who have rings, um, but were not, you know, that I, I don't think are 100% validated for themselves mm-hmm. or for other people um, mm-hmm. coming together to try to win a ring together would certainly be a, as painful as it is to say a pretty great thing for the NBA to see. Um, if if that yeah. you think happen. they're gonna hug the are cor- they gonna hug after every game <laughs> i don't know about all that but i, I think the question oh. is like are they oh, gonna okay are they, so now <laughs> are they gonna are they gonna pick the right team to go to i'm not sure that new york is the is the right situation for them to put yeah. together that kind of yeah. team around themselves i don't know i i texted you guys last night and i think i've mentioned this a few times on the on some pods before but you know, Kevin Durant, to me, it still sickens me to look at him. I just don't like looking at him. And really, I, I've not forgiven him at all for what he did uh, because he doesn't deserve my forgiveness or, you know, anyone that's a Thunder fan's forgiveness, in my opinion. However, if he did decide after this season to go somewhere else and and to not 
be on a super team, the superest of the super team that he is now, he'll, he'll earn a little bit more of my respect back. Um, he's going to have to work at it. And I know, you know, Kevin Durant cares deeply about my respect. I know he does, but <laughs> he's, he's going to have to work at it for years and years and years to fully get my respect back. But the start will be if he goes somewhere else, you know? Yeah. I, here's the thing though. Like I, Kevin Durant is still an amazing basketball player. I mean, he's still one of the greatest that's ever played. I watched him uh, in a couple of these games against Houston. And like, when I watch him play, I'm like, man, I really miss that. And then I slap myself in the face because that's not the appropriate response. Um, when you're trying to get over someone is to feel that you miss them. So I, <laughs> but it's true. Like I wish, like I wish that he had still played for us. I mean, I do. I wish that it hadn't gone the way that it did. Um, well, yeah, of course, but it did, but that doesn't change the, the fact and the, the, the objectively he is an amazing basketball player and of course. that yeah. he has, he's done. I mean, he, I, I am in agreement with you, Jeremy, I think, in that the, all of his, his championships right now have an asterisk with them, but mm-hmm. um, that does not change the fact that he still had to go out there and play all of the games and he still had to go out there and play well for them to, to do well. You know, it's not like he's riding the bench somewhere to get those rings. Like he's put in a lot of minutes and yeah, well, he has two, they've won the games, MVPs, you know? I, yeah. I don't know. I I think it'd be cool to see Kyrie and Kevin go to the go to the Clippers. Honestly, oh man, be, go to the East. Like I'm fine with them teaming up, but uh, go to the well, East. Well, but I'm talking about there. in terms of like if you, I, I guess let me rephrase. If we want to see the redemption of Kyrie and Kevin Durant, I think that their better their better spot is in a better organization with a better system surrounding them to to help put the team, the correct team together. And I think that's yeah. not going to be in New York. I think that would be, I mean, seeing that team on the current Clippers, I mean, with doc rivers, I, I that would be a, a pretty stacked team and it would make our job harder. But I mean, yeah, I, I will say this and tell me if you guys agree, if, if that happens, if Kyrie and Kevin Durant go to the Clippers, they will again be the favorites to win the championship, you know, and I say again, like, cause Kevin Durant, you know, has been on a team that's been the favorite to win the championship. I mean, what other team would people say like, nah, I think this team is going to take care of business over the over Warriors. That. Well, I mean, I mean if the Warriors there's still so have many question marks with the Warriors, Warriors who knows going to be on that team? Well, I would say Milwaukee. Yeah. Or Milwaukee. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Houston. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think, I still think the Warriors though, because even if Kevin Durant leaves, the Warriors are still, I mean, the last team better. to win a championship outside of the, those Cavs without Kevin Durant was the Warriors. So it's not like they're suddenly not going to be the favorite. Their odds will be drastically lowered and there will be a lot more talk about um, the other possible teams that could do it. But I still think that betting odds would be that they would they would still be the favorite to win. Hmm. Okay. I mean, they've already shown they can do yep. it. The trio of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green has already won a championship, and they've still got Damn Andre it. Iguodala. They've got Andrew Bogut. I mean, 
they, they, would they be as good? No, not at all. <laughs> of course not. But they would still be really good and probably good enough to still win a championship, I think. Hmm. Okay. I guess we'll see what happens. I don't, I don't know what all the players with the Warriors, like I don't know what their contracts look like. You know what I mean? Um, I don't, because I know that there are a lot of question marks around that team this summer to see like who are they going to pay to stay, uh, who, you know, what kind of moves do they make to try to get maybe some younger pieces because, you know, Steph and Clay and Draymond are, are getting older, you know, and like Draymond had to deal with a few more injuries this season and everything. So it would, I guess I just disagree with you. I, I think that if Kyrie and Durant went to the Clippers and they still had Lou Williams coming off the bench and they had, you know, all those young guys that did a great job this year. I, I don't know. I kind of think they would be the favorites, but it remains to be seen. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the off season. There's going to be so much movement and everything. It's going to be crazy. Hot take. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Nerland's Noel goes to whichever team both those guys go to. Huh. Oh boy. Oh man. That's uh, a, <laughs> yeah. that's not, that's not too spicy. I mean, I, you know, I could see something like that happening. I, it would make me very sad, but I I'm trying to think like that who they have already. I mean, New York has a young guy and they've got DeAndre Jordan. Um, So I don't know that they would need him. The Clippers have, who do they have? Montrezl Harrell's a, a forward. He's not a center. I don't know. They could probably yeah. use him. I hope that doesn't happen because I hope that we keep Nerlens Noel. But yeah, um, it kind of brings us to the thing that I wanted to talk about today. Um, yeah, take it away, Eddie. Which is like what we're looking at, what the Thunder are looking at, since our off season has already started. Um, we're already in it deep, a couple weeks now. Um, I found a, a pretty interesting Reddit article, and I want to give credit to the guy that put it together. And I, I, his name is very difficult, but it looks like Medik Ripmes. I don't know uh, what that's supposed to mean, but I thank you for putting this together. It looks like a lot of work, a lot of knowledge I didn't have, but kind of detailing what our our situation looks like for the offseason and what we can do. Um, And I guess before we get into that, uh, the things that I really have been thinking a lot about um, with the Thunder, one of, I think that the, it's hard because there's a lot of different areas that the, the team needs to improve. Right. I mean, I think the biggest one that everyone screams at is that we probably need a new coach and that remains to be seen if that's going to happen. I'm, I tend to think that it's not going to happen given what Sam Presti said, but you know, he didn't say definitively that, that Billy was going to be back. He said he anticipates. So we don't know. It could be, we could, we could change that. But the problem with that is that of course that there's really not a whole lot uh, out there for us to go after. And the point that a lot of people have made is that Sam Presti is not one to, jump into the fire without a plan and he's not going to like get rid of a coach right now, unless he knows that the person he's going to bring in is going to be the right guy. Um, Mm -hmm. He's not just going to find a, a a bandaid to put on this, especially whenever, I mean, our, this is going to be the most expensive thunder team of all time. And we've got basically this one year and one more year of, Paul George and Russell Westbrook and their prime. I mean, this is it. It's, it's literally now or never. We've got two years. So I don't know that he's going to try to rush a, a, a new coach or a young coach or anything but a guaranteed situation. 
I don't think he's going to try to rust it. I think he's he's going to try to, you know, stick with what we've got because we've built it and there's already something there. Um, the question is, can the team change and mold itself um, to be better than they have been? And I mean, we've had four years of Billy Donovan. That's not really happened yet, but I wonder if, if, and we talked about this last time. I wonder if the way that this year happened, um, if it's like finally been recognized by everyone involved, all right, I think now we we have no choice. We have to change. We have to do things differently. So I don't know. Um, but the second thing, uh, the thing we could do to get better would be to have our players improve. And obviously Russell shooting is probably the most important thing. But I think um, that – one of the best ways that we could change our system and even just a small thing would be to have the offense run through Steven Adams more. And I don't mean in the post. I don't want him getting, I mean, he gets a lot of post touches and maybe he could continue to get those, but I want to see him get the ball at the top of the key, like Jokic, like Nurkic, like Porzingis did whenever he was healthy, all these bigs, they get the ball at the top of the key and can run the offense through the center of the court up there with your other smaller players running around, running routes, setting screens, so on and so forth off the ball. Because if we could have a, a like a Marc Gasol type guy in the middle, I think that would open everything up, especially for Russ. Because Russ, we know, is a much better shooter whenever he gets a pass than he is when he's off the dribble. Well, if Russell has to have the ball in his hands the whole time and he's the one that's running the offense, we're going to get a lot of off-the-dribble shots from him, and that's not going to help us, right? So I think if we can get Steven to to develop that offensive controller spot at the top of the key, I think that we could really, really have a dynamic offense given the personnel that we already currently have, not even necessarily bringing in someone else. But that's going to take one major thing. That's going to take Steven Adams developing a solid 19, 20 foot jump shot. He's got to have that. If he cannot be a threat in that position to score in that spot, then it's not going to work for us. Um, what do you guys think about that? Do you think that's, that's unrealistic to expect or, you know, what, what, what do you think? Jeremy, go ahead. I, I actually hadn't thought about that before, but that is what a lot of really successful teams do. I mean, uh, well, not that Minnesota is successful, but they've got one of the best centers in the game in Carl Anthony Towns, and he does that too. But but the difference is, I mean, you're right on the money, Eddie, and I was going to say this if you didn't, like Steven Adams is going to have to shoot. You know, he's going to have to find, you know, an 18, 19 foot jumper that he can hit with some consistency. I don't know. I, I, I definitely don't want to underestimate Steven Adams, but I don't know if he's that kind of player. He might be. I don't know. I think he, he is. He would have a lot of work to do in the offseason for sure, without a doubt. Why, why do you, you think he's... You got to read that autobiography, y'all. Uh, but here's what I think about anyway. Uh, every basketball player at some point was shooting just on th- that's the yeah. way that size works. You're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so if you tell, uh, Steven Adams and remind him what his contract is and say, Hey, we need you to consistently make an 18 footer. I imagine that he's going to be able to make an 18 footer. 
Yeah, he will. He would rise to the occasion without a doubt. But would he be yeah. able to make it enough for that offense to really function at a high level? You know what I mean? Or would I he do. just shoot like think 25, so. 30%? No, I think he would shoot more than that. I mean, yeah, he's got a great touch. He yeah. just doesn't yeah. shoot a traditional jump shot. I mean, he shoots 10, 12-foot floaters. That's his shot. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But And he it, it's great. A lot of those are just just right on the money. So I know that he has the extension to do it. Um, it's just a matter of, is he going to be able to develop a form that allows him to not have to shoot a 20 foot floater, which I don't think is the right move. I don't think just trying to extend what he can currently currently do out. I think he's got to develop something. And Sam Presti has said that, you know, if we have to explore maybe given, given Stevens some leeway on the three point line and getting him out there, that we'll do that. And I, I understand that that is the way that a lot of NBA teams are going. Like you have to have a sh- five that can shoot three point shots. And that is one option. But what that does is that would, that would continue to leave Russ as the guy that the offense is running through. And I don't think that that helps Russ as much as we need it to. I re I really well, want, I go ahead. I think that it helps if I mean, you can be judicious with that. It could be, we will, we will run plays for corner threes for Steven when Dennis is on the floor because Dennis with that amount of space is a bucket waiting to happen. Um, so yeah, what I right. actually was going right. to say, what I actually was going to say first was uh, speaking of floaters, that that is something that Russell needs to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have, have mentioned he does not that have too, a floater. actually. I, someone made a, a, a highlight reel of all of his career attempted floaters, and he's literally only attempted like five or six in his whole career. <laughs> oh, wow. They are bad, dude. Like, <laughs> he doesn't even hit the net on some of those shots. Like, he has no touch on that kind of shot at all. He has no touch. Are they look on pretty that. spread out? Has he been doing them recently? No, no, no. Well, they're, they've been spread out. Some of them were like way early on, but he, there were a couple yeah. that I saw that were, were within the last three years. Um, okay. I, I'm not sure that I personally can ever say, could say that I've ever seen him shoot a floater. In no, a game. I, I never have. I, I have never seen that. it, but there's evidence. There's <laughs> video evidence. I'll try to find that video and send it to you guys. Um, yeah. They're not uh, good. They're I just bad. think that the way that he plays, if he could work on that and that could be something that is in his back pocket, that's, I mean... I, I still think that he needs – I don't know that I'm convinced that he needs a floater. What he needs is his cotton shot back. and That's Because some of, the, some of the times that shot, he would take it in floater range, you know? Yeah. Not like the, the four to eight foot range, which is a lot like where Dennis takes a lot of his floaters. Um, yeah. But like the, you know, eight to 12 foot range, if he You're can hit that – Right around the free throw line. Right around the free throw line, the elbow area – yeah. I think that would open up because he's got enough explosiveness that you kind of have you have to back out anyway, you know. Um also just uh at a light bulb. I he probably doesn't do floaters cuz I imagine he would get a lot of charges all the time. Yeah. And he's <laughs> bad about that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the yeah. two most important areas for him to improve are his his shooting and his dribbling. I think if he could yeah. he he has no dribble moves like at all. He can't dance. He's got that sham. He can't dance with, well, yeah, yeah, like whenever he's making a play, he can do some fancy stuff, but I'm talking like the type of dancing that Steph does. The size up, the size up stuff. Yeah, or, you know, all those moves that make people fall down. Like Russ does not have that. He's done it a couple times, 
but that's not the type of player he is. Yeah, he'll make you Re- fall because you're you're chasing after him. Yeah, um, Russ is, if, Russ let's is say great, if Kyrie, if Kyrie's a ballerina, then Russ is a rugby player. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. What were you going to say, Jeremy? I, I was just going to say that you know, for all the great things that Russell does, yeah, he his handles are not not the best. You know, like he's probably on the lower end of he's starting never point guards them. in the NBA that, you know, like he just doesn't have very good handles. But yeah, right, you're the, right. The, his style of play, like he's just, you know, he charges to the rim. That's what he does, you know, and he, he doesn't need handles for that style of play. Russ is a textbook gate kid. Okay. Do you know, do you know what I mean when I say that? I was hoping that one of you would laugh. Russ is, is the textbook <laughs> kid that was really smart when he was young. And so he didn't have to try to do anything. So he just succeeded naturally. So he never had to develop some of these skills. A lot of these other guys have had to develop. He's never had to develop a long point shot. He's never had to develop a fancy dribbling moves. Like he's been so good and so fast that he's been able to get to the rim whenever he wants against anyone. So of course you're just going to do that and you never get tired. So just keep running to the rim. But now he's older. He's a father. He's got three kids. He, you know, is all about all of his, this other stuff. And the fact is he's had like 10 knee surgeries. Okay. Not 10, but like five, probably he's had um, a lot and it's, he can't get away with that stuff anymore. Not only that, but the teams are, are, they've learned how to defend him, basically get in front of him and you will stop him, <laughs> but you have to get in front of him way in advance. Um, so yeah, he's never had to develop these sorts of skills. And now it's like, Oh, you, you're here now. And you're running out of time. Now you have to try to try to figure this out. The question is, th- will he be able to do it? I think that's a really good point about defenses figuring out how to defend him. Because I think we saw that really happen this year. You know, his MVP season and even his last uh, couple of years on the teams with Kevin Durant. I mean, he was just so explosive. Like no one knew how to defend him. No one knew how to stop him because he was just running downhill hundred percent of the time, but this season is really the first time that I think defense has really figured out exactly how to defend him. And it obviously did not help the fact that his shooting was so poor this year based on uh, previous seasons and everything. Um, another thing um, I was going to say, go ahead, Victor. Well, uh, mine's not uh, that our school, Eddie was called ACE. It was the academic Ace. center okay. of excellence. Yeah. All right. Now. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> the school, the I'm school glad, I I'm glad because called. I, I just knew that, that would have rung a bell. <laughs> I just yeah. knew that would relate to people. I, yeah. I didn't know exactly what you were talking about until you started to elaborate. And then I was like, Oh, okay. But in my Gifted school, it was called education GT. Yeah. GT, GT is GT. what we called it. Yeah. And I did not get in and my friends got in and I always, <laughs> I always was very jealous. I'm serious. I, I will tell you, Jeremy, and as, look someone, at you now. as someone that had, that was a part of that, I think it's probably one of the worst things you can do for a kid. I, yeah, we, we I did not that. like that. I did not. I, I think that that really, really has set my whole life back, but that's a totally different well, it, discussion. It, it opens you up to, <laughs> it opens you up to pretensity. You do that, you go to a liberal arts school and then you think you're the best thing that's ever happened to anybody. So it's good <laughs> until you get out there and your people are like, what? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's all about thinking the right things, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got to think outside the box, even though literally you can only make a living inside the box. That's where the money is. <laughs> No, I um, was thinking about something. 
you know, in terms of like what we could try to do to, to have a more efficient offense next year and to, you know, be more competitive in the quote unquote modern NBA, all that. Now, I don't know if this is a good idea or not, but I thought I'd pose this question to you guys. What do you think? And, and let me kind of like elaborate before you guys answer. What would you think if Billy Donovan started Schroeder at the point guard and Russ off the ball, which doesn't necessarily mean that Schroeder would run point on every single play. I mean, we'd still get some Russ. We'd still get some Paul George too. Cause some, sometimes Paul George does that point forward. thing. I think that's always the best option. I always think that Paul should bring up the ball. I don't know why I just, I feel way better about starting the offense. Yeah. We, I liked it more when Kevin brought the ball up too. I mean, when he started doing yeah. that, it was like, Oh yeah, Russ is going to go to the corner. Yeah. And he move move without the ball, even though he almost never did. Yeah, he did that a lot last night in the game. Kevin Durant did. He, I think, he brought the ball up more than Steph Curry when they were on the court together. But anyway, I guess the root of this is: Do you like Russell playing off the ball more? Do you think this would be a good time in his career to try more of that? I love Russ off the ball because I know that he would be great at it, but he's not very good at it right now. He does because he doesn't play. Yeah, because like he never he, does he, it. He doesn't know how to play off the ball. He either doesn't yeah. know how, well, or he thinks his he, when his mo when he loses the ball is literally to get out of the way. And he's like, "I'll go clean up the mess if something doesn't happen." But that's not. I, I wish if he if Russ could play the way that Steph Curry plays, give the ball up and just suddenly start running around everywhere. Like, I think that would be a fantastic way because can you imagine a slasher or a cutter Russ just like oh, yeah. consistently doing that? Yeah, I mean, dunks he'd have, it would be amazing. Be it would be amazing. Basketball. I wonder, I worry if he can do that with the shape that his knees are in. Well, maybe not as many right dunks, now. but he could definitely get, he could well, definitely be well, his I'm man off the ball. Yeah, I mean, but whenever you're running around screens and stuff all the time, I mean, you got to imagine that it takes a toll on your ankles. Yeah. For sure. Like that high ankle and the knees and stuff like that. But what was the other thing I was just about to say? Oh, what I was going to say is that it gets easier to learn to play off the ball if you can consistently shoot. Right. And that's part of also yeah. why it's not happening. Because that's if the they're thing. worried about you yeah. getting off a screen and having an open shot, then they have to defend you differently. And that's when the help comes and opens up all the other stuff. Well, yeah. a, a lot of what I was saying about Steven running the offense through Steven the same stuff applies to Russ about in that situation, because at the end of the day, if he is not the guy that has the ball and is running the offense, every possession through him, he's got to figure out a way to play off the ball. It doesn't matter who else is doing it. If it's going to be Schroeder or if it's going to be Steven or heck, if it's going to be Jeremy Grant, if we want to run the ball through him or Paul George, you know, he's got to figure yeah. out how to play that off the ball game. Um, I do not think that Russ would ever accept not being the starting point guard. I don't think that that's ever going to happen. I don't, I, I think that may be too much at this point in his career to ask of him. Um, so I think even if he's, if he started at point guard, but we decided to start Schroeder instead of Terrence Ferguson and then have, because when they play, they almost always play more Schroeder running the point and Russ not. Like Schroeder yep. usually gets the ball and runs a lot of pick and rolls because he his pick and rolls aren't as like I don't know powerful like like Russ's it's like if he makes a turn that's the end of the play it's either going to be a foul a turnover a shot and that's the end of the play 
Schroeder can like turn around and run around in circles and he's more um flexible. Steve Nash. He's more Steve yeah, Nash. Yeah, more Steve Nash like than than Russ. So yeah, maybe we could start Schroeder. Um I don't know that they would label it that way. I mean, maybe if it's just a you know, what's a label, but yeah. Uh, it's I just think an it would idea. be all right. You know, I, I again I don't know if it's a good idea or not. I just thought I'd I'd pose it to you. I like more the idea of keeping Schroeder as our sixth man and running the point for the second unit, especially with the reality that we're probably not going to get to keep Nerlens Noel. Um, yeah. We really are probably going to have to try to keep some of our talent on our bench. It's just, and let's not forget w- about Dre. I mean, yeah, you, you can't, he's going to be back. He will probably start the season. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if he's going to start. I don't know if they're going to put, push Terrence to the bench. I, I kind of suspect that that's what's going to happen. That'd be interesting. I think that they'll probably put Andre right back in the starting lineup to start the season, and then Terrence will come off the bench, and we'll have to see how he plays. You know, if he yeah. can be the defensive stopper that he was, I'm okay with having Terrence on the bench, knowing that he can come into the game and he can play with more confidence, knowing that he's going up against a second unit and yeah. that he's got someone else on the court like Dennis Schroeder that can also handle the ball. So we'll, we'll just have to see, but yeah, I, um, I don't know if Terrence Ferguson's confidence was ever in question. I, I have no idea, but this year, his sophomore season, like it was great for his confidence. I mean, he oh, had definitely, he had games where he just shot lights out from three, you know, he had some timely defensive stops. I mean, he was the starting two guard for most of the season on a, on a, a good team. So more, I think I mentioned it on our last pod. I'm more excited to see his game next year, even if he is coming off the bench than any other Thunder player. Well, maybe, you know, with the exception of Russ, just because I think that there are going to be some adjustments that are going to be made. But I, I think yeah. Terrence Ferguson, like, I'm, I'm just high on him. I think that he's going to be great moving forward for this team. Um, and, you know, if if Dre starts, which, by the way, that's what I would want to happen. If, if Dre is good to go, which my goodness, he better be next season. If he's good to go, I want to see him start. I want to see Terrence coming off the bench. Um, and then, you know, if it doesn't work or, or Presti decides to trade Dre by the trade deadline or, or whatever, that's fine. But I'd be very anxious to see what Terrence Ferguson coming off the bench and being more of like a shooter off the bench, some bench scoring uh, would do for this thunder team. Like a three and D just a straight up three and D dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The problem that'd be good. The, the problem that I have with that situation is that that basically even even if let's say Steven Adams developed a three-point shot and could suddenly even even if he let's just say he could hit 40% of his threes just you know <laughs> just to be really really ha- you know generous to us. Yeah. That does not solve the problem of us still having two non-shooters in the starting lineup. If we put Andre Robertson back in the starting lineup, he can't shoot the ball. And I have no reason to suspect that after two years of not playing basketball, that he will be a, come back suddenly a better shooter. He's going to be worse. I'm almost certain of it. And that is going to be a huge, huge problem with our team. I mean, it was hard enough having Russ and Steven on the court this year, not being able to shoot threes. We, 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 we just, we couldn't. You know, you modern NBA, you have to have at least four shooters out in your starting lineup. And I think that's why a lot of people are suggesting 
we need to trade Steven Adams and try to get someone that can come in and shoot three-point shots to be our five guy or to move Grant to the five and bring in a forward like a Blake Griffin or um, someone else on this list. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but an Anthony Davis, someone like that that can come in and can clearly stretch the floor um, yeah. in, as opposed to Steven Adams. I just I don't know that bringing Dre in is going to – I don't think it's going to help much um, in terms of the starting lineup. Now, the question yeah, Steven is – Adams- shoots 40% from three. Well, that, that's, that's totally fine. <laughs> Drake can never, ever shoot. If Steven Adams shoots, 40% but what, what is three. that? Okay. Let's just say, okay, maybe, okay. Not 40% because I mean, even if he shot 40%, how many threes is he going to get in a get, get a game? You know, four, um, two that, or three, four. That, we're, we're looking at basically the same team that we already have. We're just trading, uh, the, the lack of shooting in our center spot over and moving it over into our, our shooting guard spot or our small forward spot, wherever you want to put Andre Robertson. So I, I don't know if that helps us at all. Like I just, I just don't, I don't think that it does. I don't know. I think that Dre still has, a, I, I know I've said before, I don't know that he has a spot in this team. I think that he can. And I think that we, that his defense alone makes him valuable for an NBA team. Uh, I just, I don't know how we should work him back into the, to the team. I just, I don't know. It will take, I'm probably not going to be happy with any situation until I see what happens. I feel like if Andre goes that Steven or if uh, Steven goes that Andre will also go. I feel like if we were to trade Steven, they would trade both of them. No, I think that the, the, the package that I'm seeing here is uh, Adam Schroeder Roberson package. Then we could, we could trade those guys and pick up Blake Griffin, Kevin Love, theoretically Anthony Davis, um, Bradley Beal, someone like that. We could trade those three guys and pick pick that player up. But honestly, even picking up one of those guys, even if they're as good as they, are, they could ever be, we're still losing three contributors to the team. Yeah. So yeah. it would be very difficult. And given our the rest of our cap situation, <sighs> I mean, Presti has done magic before, you know. Could we um, do that so, and still keep Nerlens? Is that even possible? The, one of the things that this guy in this article talks about is the fact that if we traded Steven, we could then hopefully try to keep Nerlens um, and move and him move up him to our starting, starting lineup. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eddie, I, I think that uh, I think that you forgot about Dre a little bit. I mean, do you remember how good the team was two years ago when he was actually starting before he got injured? I mean, and this was with you know Russell, whose shooting numbers were still not fantastic that year a very faded Carmelo Anthony, a pretty good Paul George. I mean, not the fantastic version of Paul George we saw this summer. Like, I think that a Thunder team with Dre in that starting position is is good, and it's been proven to be good, you know, throughout the course of the team. Uh, he, we won seven games in a row before he got hurt. That's not my definition of good. Like, I, I mean, that, that team was even, good, was okay. They showed flashes, but this past team without Andre showed flashes. We, we won seven games in a row with this team. We won 11 out of 13 with this team. So it, over the long haul, I don't. I think that that lack of shooting, the lack of consistency from Russ and from another person in the starting lineup is just not going to help us. And I don't think that running it back, just moving a piece around, but keeping the same identity of the team, I don't think that's what I want to see. 
I, I I love Dre, and he's I mean clearly he is he is one of the best defenders in the NBA. But unless he can figure out how to make more than thirty percent of his three point shots, thirty percent, which is still far below league average, I don't think that he can help our starting lineup. Not over a Terrence Ferguson. Yeah. I guess we'll see. I mean, I I would want to see him start, you know, over over Terrence Ferguson because I think he deserves it. I, I think he really deserves it, and he's going to be working this summer. He's going to work harder For this sure. summer than than he's ever worked. So I I would be really interested to see what he could uh, produce on the on the court. But we'll uh, from, see. From my perspective, with all the setbacks that he's had and all the time that he's been out of playing basketball, I will be happy if he can come back as good of a defender as he was. If he can come back the way that he was, I would be happy. But that's almost an unrealistic expectation. So to, for me to think that he can come back better than he was, man, I just, it's really hard for me to bet on that. I mean, a lot of players have done it, you know, and Dre's not that old. I mean, he's, I don't, I would not say I a lot of players is. have done it. There have been some big name players, particularly someone like Paul George that have done it. But if you look there are probably for every Paul George, there's probably 30 guys that get injured like that and end up get washed out of the NBA. Yeah. Eric Maynard. Yeah. I mean, any number of dudes. Yeah. Former former number one overall picks, Greg Oden. Well, I feel like, uh, well, I guess a player that I think I could compare Andre to would be like a Sean Livingston who I I was thinking about that too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he could, uh, I just, like I said, I'm not I am not going to get my hopes up for him coming back better than he was. I will be satisfied if he comes back with as much defensive impact as he as he had before he got hurt. Yeah. 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 I feel that. I feel that. Um so, so the the I mean what what do you I mentioned this um we were talking about this a second ago, but what do you guys think like let's say the team decides that Steven Adams is not the fix getting him to shoot threes or run the offense through him is not the way they want to go. He is the most valuable asset that we have. Um, And of all of the players on our team, I think he is the most likely to not be on the team next year. I don't know that that that's guaranteed. I I kind of don't think that we're going to trade him, but I think of all the guys that we have, he's the guy that we would need to trade. Um, So if we were going to go that route, uh, I mean, who would you want to pick up? Uh, uh, he mentions a few guys on this list and obviously you like all these guys on the team, but you got to try to think about what the team would look like with these dudes out there. You know, someone like Kevin love, I've always wanted to see Kevin love in OKC. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of disrupts Jeremy Grant in a lot of ways because he'd either have to move to the five or have to come off the bench, or maybe we could have Kevin love come off the bench if he were willing to do that and move Nerlens Noel up to the starting center spot. You know, that could be good. Obviously, Anthony Davis makes you better instantly. Um, Anthony Davis over Steven Adams, but would the team adapt and be able to play that way? I don't know. Um, and maybe you don't go big and you want to pick up someone like Bradley Beal. I mean, that would be, honestly, the perfect tr- third person to add next to Russ and Paul George for me. I mean, yeah. because he could, he is so dynamic. He can do Sorry, basically who again? Bradley Beal. I mean, he okay. can do basically anything on the court. Um, obviously, 
if we had to trade away Schroeder and Adams to get him, we'd be we'd have to find someone. We'd have to find another big somewhere, and our options are pretty limited on that front. But do you really need a great big anymore in the NBA? Obviously, we have a great big, but look at where we are. And I mean, most of the great bigs can either facilitate or they can shoot or both. Right. You know, that's what Jokic does. Right. I guess what I mean is like a big in the traditional sense of the big. Not yeah. Necessarily a- well, yeah, I, I know. I was just like commenting on like how the definition of a of a good big in the league has changed. It's changed a lot over the, well, over the past few years. Someone like Kevin Love, he's a part of that. He, he is a part of the reason that the league is different now because he came in and he, I mean, he's never been a, a true center, but he was like one of the first really big stretch fours, you know, one of mm-hmm. the guys that could make threes and just like you weren't prepared to defend him. Um, obviously, Anthony Davis has shown that he can make it from anywhere on the court. Blake Griffin, he has changed his game completely. He could be yep. a great addition to our team in terms of stretching the floor for Russ. It's it's hard to tell. It's hard to yeah. tell. Um, but like I said at the very beginning, I am of the belief that I want to keep basically the team that we have and I want us to figure it out. I want these yeah. guys to figure out a better way to play more consistently. Yeah. Because this is, I think this is a special group. I mean, I, I said it back when after Paul hit that game winner against Brooklyn. Like, this is this is a there's something here with this team. I feel it, and I don't know what happened to it. Um, I just I, I have to I guess try to believe that we can figure something out in the off season. I just don't know. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I want to. I mean, I am able and I used to not be like this, but over time I have developed the ability to look at the whole league objectively, you know, outside of the scope of the Oklahoma city thunder, because I used to just be like a thunder fan. And I just used to see everything through those glasses, but I, I have been able to like, I understand the game better now and I've watched so much basketball over the years, Thunder games and non-Thunder games that I've been able to step back and uh, kind of look at everything objectively. That being said, I'm such a homer. Like I feel the same way you feel, Eddie. I want, I want all these players to stay and I want them to figure it out because I love all these players. I I'll be saddened if one of those guys gets traded Dre or Steven Adams I mean, I'm not that attached to Schroeder just because he's only been here a year, but I like him and I think he's great for this team. And I also think that he he had a, a pretty good season by the numbers and he could possibly get even better next season. That's what I want. But I mean, those players that you mentioned, I mean, obviously the highest percentage choice would be Anthony Davis, I think. However, if they could figure out a way to get Blake Griffin here, and slide Blake Griffin in at the starting four spot and have Jeremy Grant at the five spot, I think that's a phenomenal team right there. I, I would I would feel very, very good about that team uh, going forward. I I love Blake Griffin. And as I've said it before, Blake Grit like, to me, the only thing at this point in Oklahoma City's future that could be more beautiful than Russell winning a ring for the city would be to have Blake Griffin come back and win a ring with him. Like, yeah, that'd be know, really cool. That'd be really man. Cool. What a tremendous joy that Oklahoma would feel if we were to get our guy, our guy who is our hero. And every day is Russell Westbrook day, but the hometown guy 
that, as I've said before, is the best basketball player ever from Oklahoma come back and bring us a championship, man, that's magic. That is pure magic. Yeah. And with Kevin Love, it would be great too because, I mean, you know that Russ and he have that have a long history. I mean, to see those yeah. buddies come back and win a championship. Uh, but at the same time, like, I am literally in love with Steven Adams. I want to marry him <laughs> and be his his. Well, yeah, I was just friend. thinking how sad I would be knowing that we just dumped him in Detroit. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> well, and the, the the problem with that is that Detroit also like, do they need Stephen Adams? They already have Andre Drummond. No, they don't really need don't. him. Um, and that really is kind of the kicker here is that our biggest assets, like no one wants, <laughs> like the only player on our team that I think anyone would really want that would trade any of those guys for would be like a Paul George. Like I don't think that. No one wants Steven Adams' talent at his contract level. Um, what we would have to find is the perfect situation where a team has to get rid of a guy. And this guy in this article makes a very good point about Bradley Beal. If Washington does not offer him the Supermax, he's going to demand a trade. He's not going to stay in Washington, and they're going to have to get rid of him. And that, that, that gives us a little bit more leverage that we did not have before. So I really yeah. think that it's it's – it's not out of the realm of possibility. I just, I'm saying, I, 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 before I, I read all of this and I've been keeping up with a lot of other people's opinions on it, like, I thought that nothing, we could do nothing, that there's no way we could make any, this team better from the outside, but we could. We just have to write, we have to have the perfect position. And I said it before, I didn't think that it, there was any way we were going to get Paul George, and we got Paul George. So yeah, anything is true. possible at this point. We, we got him and we got him to stay. Yeah. I mean, I, I never underestimate what Presti can do in, with these type, types of situations. Uh, I never really do. So are the people on that list, I mean, obviously, Steven Adams has a huge contract, and, and I agree with you. I don't know. I think there are some teams that would take that on under the right situation, you know, and, and teams that need to dump some money um, and get rid of some of their own players and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm not exactly sure how all of that works. But who who do you think on this team – uh, on that list, anyway, has the most trade value on the market. Is it Schroeder? Probably Schroeder. Is it Dre? I mean, Grant, a, a really good two guard. So, but I don't think we're going to trade him. Yeah, I think Schroeder. Yeah, and our young guys, uh, Ferguson, Diallo, Burton, these guys that are very low value contracts that really only have, they can only go up at this point. I think they have more value than guys like Steven Adams that are, you know, every single year. No, now after the all-star break, we have seen the plateau of Steven Adams, the great Kiwi plateau, basically mm-hmm. where he's just like, I've played too many minutes and I've been knocked to the floor way too many times. And so now I'm tired and I can't yeah. play as good as I was earlier in the season. So I don't know that someone's going to want to pick him up for $26 million, you know, yeah. Um, I actually think that that Dre might have the most trade value based on his contract. I, I I can think of a lot of like contending teams next season that would love to have a player like Andre Robertson. Um, that that is just a defensive stopper, you know. But I um, think that you know I think that teams get real wary when someone's coming back from an injury. Yeah, that's true like, too. I was surprised that we picked up Keith. I was surprised that we picked him up off of an injury like I really was I mean look at um, Noel like bef- like before his most recent injury he was offered 70 million and he didn't take it 
because he thought that it wasn't yeah. enough. And then he got hurt, and now he's suddenly on a minimum contract. I mean, look at Boogie. Boogie could have had $40 million from New Orleans, but he didn't take yep. it, and he got hurt, and then he got hurt again. I mean, I don't I, – I don't – Maybe I okay. Maybe well, you're right. Could, maybe, maybe I did forget about Dre, but like I don't see a reason that we should. I I don't see a team that wants someone that can come in that can't shoot. I just a non-shooter in the NBA is just too hard to justify anymore. That's why Russ is getting so much flack. That's why people are saying that we should trade Russ because he's a non-shooter. And look yeah. at what it takes from from Russell Westbrook to be relevant as a non-shooter. You have to literally average a triple-double three seasons in a row. And then even then, people are still going to give you crap for it. Yeah. You have to be able to shoot the ball. Yeah. I don't I I just have high hopes for Dre, I guess. I, I think that he's he's going to come back and be really good. And I hope it's really good in a Thunder uniform. I really do. Um, and I, I guess I just disagree, too, that I, I do think he, he could come back better. I mean, if he was like 30 or 31, I would say like, man, probably not. But however old he is, like 25 or 26, how old is he? Let me look it up. Real Somewhere quick. around there, 26, 27 maybe. Yeah, he's still young, you know? I mean, it's not like he broke his leg in half either. He had a pretty gruesome injury, but I mean, it's something that a player it's, like him could definitely come back from. But it's not just the injury. It's like the fact that he's had the injury, but then he's had a setback to the injury, to the recovery process. I mean... It's Dre just, is 27. I, I, I can't bet any money on it. I just can't. It's too, it, there's too much risk. I mean, we already have him, so it's not really risky for us, but it would be way too risky for another team, especially at almost $11 million. Yeah. Which is, to your point, perhaps our benefit. Maybe the fact that no one else would take him right now or we would, they would not be able to give enough for us to be willing to get rid of him, will allow him to stay with the team, and, so, and, and then if we get the benefit of him suddenly coming back better than he was, we win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's only good for us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We've already paid. We've already made the bet. It's already there. we got to live with how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, I'm like you, Eddie. I really don't really want to make any moves. The more I think about it, the more I'm just like, ah. Is it, let me ask we you guys ch- this. Is it because, Victor, do you feel that way? And and we all feel that way, really. Do we feel that way because we are kind of homers and we just love these players so much? Or do we really think, like, on the court, things could be figured out? And they, and they could actually, and we could actually function consistently at the level that this team needs to function to be an elite team next season and be a championship contender? This is the, the classic heart versus brain argument. Mm-hmm. And I just what I need, what I think the team needs to do is be in more situations where they can make passes that are not dangerous passes. And that's all that I really care about. If we can hold, if we can not ever turn the ball over, if we could be number one, in the league, um, or I guess last in the league, whichever way is the better one for turnovers, (laughs) it would be, it would be last. (laughs) Yeah, um, for turnovers, then I think that you get to make better decisions at the end of a play. Like you get a wide open shot or you, I don't know, the, the game needs to be uh, processed quicker, but move slower, I think. 
That's a good way to put it. The guys on the team need to be able to look. I don't think that they've real they've reached the point where the the, team, the game moves in slow motion for them. Yeah. I, I've heard a lot of big name players talk about how when you get to a certain point, the game starts to move in slow motion, and you can see everything happen before it happens, and you can react much faster. I mean, I've heard Kobe say that. I think Michael Jordan has said it before. LeBron has certainly said it. It's just I don't think that this team ever has done that, and. Part of that is because we have Russell Westbrook, and I don't think slow motion works with Russell Westbrook um, because nothing he does is slow. It's all twitchy, reactive, fast stuff. Yeah. You know, I don't <sighs> think I don't think the Thunder team has ever had a good half court offense. No. I mean, at time at times it can be functional, but throughout the years, the Thunder, even going back to Kevin Durant, the Thunder has been its best when they get out in transition when they force defensive stops and then they get out in transition and that's faded a little bit over the years but but that's that's the team's bread and butter that's that's how they score but you know a a good deal of their points okay do you do you have a do you have i do you have a a a different a point you're trying to end with this on because yeah i just ended yeah well what i would say is that that's that is the problem because that is not going to win you a championship yeah, yeah, that, that's what I mean, too. Yeah, like maybe something needs to happen. And maybe you're right, Eddie, if we can figure out how to run things a little bit more through Steven Adams next season. Man, I maybe think that that's the one play. It. I think that, man, if we could see him come back and develop into, and he's so young, he can still do it. I really think he can still do it. And if he could figure out a good 20-foot jump shot and maybe take a couple corner threes every now and again, but just run the out because he is already a, a pretty good passer. He's got a lot of vision. He's always about making the right play and mm-hmm. he's never going to take it upon himself over the top of the key to make the right play. Cause no one's told him to do that. He's going to do what the coach and what the system dictates him do. And that's be in the paint and do po- give post looks and rebound, which he's been very good at, but he's good enough. And I, I think that he could develop a good 20 foot shot and I think that would open up everything for our team. Everything. I mean, man, it would be it, we would get to watch beautiful basketball. I mean, do you remember yeah. when every game we played against the the Nuggets this year, and we just came after it like, man, they're like a machine. Yeah, they just run their offense. Yeah, man, it would be so amazing to see Stephen Adams become a Jokic type guy. I'm not saying he's going to yeah. put up triple doubles because that's not going to happen. I don't. I don't even need him to get a whole lot of assists. But just make the defense pay and make the defense get out of the paint when you're not in the paint also. Well, you just have to force the defense to make decisions. Correct. Yeah. That's it. The defense doesn't have to think when they're guarding Russell. Russell's going to the basket. Stay guarding the person that you're guarding. I will guard Russell. He will try and pass it to someone maybe, and then you take it. (laughs) Our our athleticism is is perfect in the open floor. Well, how do you get open floor in the half court? You make the defense move. So if you're mm-hmm. if you're running the ball through Steven and he's passing and we're making another pass and another pass and all these cutters are moving, we're going to have the greatest opportunity to take advantage of our athleticism by cutting and slashing to the rim. I just, man, I, I the question is, is Billy Donovan going to think this and is he going to try to implement this? <laughs> I just, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know. I really, I, I don't think so. But that's what I hope. That's what I think. That's what I hope happens for us. Yeah. 
I will say, and you mentioned this a long time ago, Eddie. Um, well, I mean, a long time ago it, on this podcast, so it was just like, you know, 45 minutes ago. But, <laughs> you know, the the stuff that Sam Presti said about uh, Billy Donovan in his, uh, his uh, conference, his whatever you want to call it, I guess it's an exit interview for him as well. Yep. But really, yeah. he's not he's not exiting. I, I don't feel like I think he's still like working every day. But I don't know. Anyway, I'm not convinced that Billy Donovan is going to stay. I, I kind of think that he's still going to go. I mean, he's not going to come out and say, yeah, I think we're going to look around for another coach next year. He's not going to say that, you know, but but I do think that he probably is actively, actively doing that. It's just kind of what I, feel. I also feel like I feel like that it's possible that Billy may not want to come back. <laughs> Yeah, he's that's just like, eh, yeah. Andrew Schleck made that point on a podcast too. Andrew Schleck said, "Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they got together and both of them agreed, like, eh, this isn't really working out the best, right?" And and both parties just kind of part ways. Um, and Billy Donovan's under contract next year, so he's still going to get paid. You know, um, he he yeah. he was also saying that like he wouldn't be surprised if if they came to a mutual agreement to just part ways. Ah. Uh. I don't see that happening unless Sam Presti knows the perfect replacement for him. Yeah. I just, I, that's not the Thunder way. That's not the Sam Presti way. He does not make rash decisions like that. I mean, well, I think it wouldn't that, be, it wouldn't be rash at all. You know, who, I, I who's guarantee come you in and, and be guaranteed surefire better than Billy Donovan right now in I mean, this, this current situation. I mean, no one is like surefire. Hubie be Brown. Hubie <laughs> Brown. We just want to listen to him talk. The, the two, uh, the two yeah. assistants with the Spurs are the only two that I could see Becky being Hammond? a good pickup for us. No, not Becky Hammond. Um, what are their names? They're they've got non non normal names, so I don't. I can't, I can't remember. I'm going to cut that out. Non normal names. I promise. I'm not. I'm not racist. Everyone. Um, <laughs> non normal names. I, I don't know I, their names. Their names are their names are wrong anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Those two know. guys, just because that they've coached under Pop, I think that they could come in with the right kind of mindset and be able to build a team, uh, a system at least for us. But they're both being sought after already by other teams. I mean, I think I saw both of them are going to interview for the same team. I, I don't remember which team it was. Maybe it was Minnesota. I don't remember. Wow. No. No, because they're keeping Ryan Sanders. I don't remember the, the, the team, but the, both of their assistants, the Spurs assistants, got permission to go interview with this other team. So I, the problem is, right now is when we need to get a coach. We've already lost Monty Williams. We're already going to lose Ty Lue. Like Those were the two big names, I think, out on the coaching market. I, you've mentioned Dave Yeager before, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. And I think he would be good in terms of, of basketball, in terms of what he how he runs a system, but the problem is... He is notorious and had problems with front offices. That's why he was he was ousted um, from Memphis. Like I don't, I'm not sure that Sam Presti is willing to bring in someone like that. I don't think. That, he so you're will. saying you want Phil Jackson? Huh. <laughs> Please, no. I I didn't know that to stuff end about, our, about end Jaeger, Jaeger yeah. and his problems with front offices. I just yeah. have always liked the the way that he's coached. I, you know, we're talking about this coaching thing. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Presti is thinking about it every single day, and he's he's working towards possibly finding a replacement every single day. And if he doesn't, if he's not confident with whatever he finds, he's not going to do it. He, he's going to keep Billy on, you know. And if Billy starts, 
coaching this team next season, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to coach the whole season too. I do. There is no way he fires him in the middle of the season. I know that for sure. I know that that, I would bet. I'd bet one more time. There's no way the Billy that, that Sam Presti fires a coach in the middle of the season. I, there's no way. I don't think that that's something he would do. I it's, I just don't, I don't see that he, that's not the way that he does things. He sees them out. He sees them to the end. If he would have fired a, t- a coach in the middle of the season, why hasn't he done it in the last three years? I mean, when, we've, only, when we've struggled in the middle of the season. Yeah. Well, he did. He did do it once. He fired, fired PJ Carlissimo in the middle of the season. Um, I think during a rebuild, this, that's, that's one thing. If I mean, the situation he, demands it, I totally think he would do it. Just I, like he makes trades in the middle of the season, you know? So question. So if we start three and 13, what do, what's going to happen? I don't, uh, and I, like everything's fine. Like we're healthy and we're just not good. I don't think that he fires him. <laughs> I, I, I mean, th- what, I think what, we started what fire him. four and 11 a couple seasons ago. Like weren't we seven games under 500? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't see him firing Billy Donovan in the middle of the season, no matter how poorly we do. I think he'll, if he's going to fire him, he's going to fire him now. Where it's going to be when we're blowing the team up, because I don't, I don't necessarily see him getting, like, especially if this upcoming season does not come to fruition. Like, what are you going to do to bring in for one year, one year yeah. of a situation to try to change this team that's been together and been playing the same way for four years, five years? I, it's either now or it's we run this out and blow it up. I think. It's just not the it's not the the Sam Presti way. I don't think he would ever. He's not going to. He's too calculated. Like he he's he's gonna he has to have contingency plans and he's got to know the direction and what's going to happen. And I don't think that firing a coach in the middle of the season is something that 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 you plan for. I think that Sam Presti does learn from his mistakes. I, I think I think that is definitely true, and we saw that. You know, a lot of people criticized him that he didn't send a team up to uh, the Hamptons to talk to Kevin Durant when he when Kevin Durant was meeting with a bunch of teams. And we saw him kind of correct that mistake when Paul George got here and he like threw a big party for Paul George. And like he he did a ton of stuff to recruit him and to get him to sign that contract, you know, that first year that he played here. So, I mean, I don't think saying Sam Presti has never done this, so he won't do it. I, I don't think that's fair. I mean, I think he he will change things that he thinks he needs to improve at because that's the kind of person he is. Like you said it yourself, Eddie, he's calculated. He's not going to keep doing the same thing if it doesn't get the results that he wants, you know? Well, but he kind of already has been doing that. But you don't think that he's just going to keep doing the same thing forever, even if it if it just results in the The, same result we've seen. It's my biggest complaint with Sam is that he has been doing the same thing for over a decade, even when he's seen the tide turning and he hasn't adjusted yet. I mean, I'm not even convinced that he's going to adjust this off season. Like what if what, what we have a 21 for 21st pick in the draft. He could use that. That's a valuable asset. We could try to get someone that we need a shooter, someone out on the wing or a, a stretch five or four, that we could hope to give a few minutes to, or he could go uh, draft an athletic uh, non-shooter defensive guy. And 
if he go if he goes ahead and does that, a project just like we've always had with this team, an almost endless number of projects that have completely crapped out. Like I, I don't. I'm not even sure that I trust that he has changed his ways. He has done some certain things that have shown that yeah, I I figured out a little to do a little differently. I treat guys differently. I treat certain situations differently, but I don't think anything quite that drastic. He's not proven that to me just yet. It just so happens that all of the other big things that he has done that he's always done well, he still kind of continues to do well. I mean, he's gotten Paul George here. He's kept Paul George here. He's overseen the development of a a really good uh, young power forward in Jeremy Grant. I mean, he got, he traded Mello. He got rid of Mello. That was honestly, of all the things he's ever done, that was probably the greatest thing he's ever done. Even, <laughs> even drafting MVPs, he traded that contract. How do you trade that player and that contract? He did it. He turned him into um, Dennis Schroeder, who's been very valuable. But the things that he hasn't always been good at, I have not seen him make any sort of kind of improvement. I just haven't. And so I'm not sure if it's going to happen. That's why I really think like, Man, the, he he is he and Russ, as I said in a previous show, are the two biggest reasons this team is the way they are right now, both good and bad. They are the identity, and we live with them, and we celebrate with them, and we die with them every year, and nothing has changed. Okay. I just, I don't know. That's I, how I, I respond to text too. That's also how I respond <laughs> to text messages. I'm disagreeing with a lot of things you say on this pod, Eddie, but that's okay because we all have our uh, thoughts and feelings about this team because we're very passionate about it. So it's okay. I kind of think that this is going to be a big summer for Presty, and, and I think the moves that he makes are going to benefit this team. That's just kind of how I feel. I guess I just trust him more than you do. He, he's just done too much good in my eyes. Well, I mean, I, I don't distrust Presti. And as I said before, I don't think that he needs to go. And I still think he is a good GM. I just have not seen proof that he has improved in certain areas where he has not been good. In a lot of the same way that I haven't seen Russ improve in areas where he has not been good. But you know what? Russ does enough on the court that I still love him and he's still very valuable. And I don't want him to go anywhere. And the same can be said for Sam Presti. I just yep. want Sam Presti to keep listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely does. He listens and he he like makes notes on all the things that we say that should happen with this team and stuff. That's he something he actually card. asks us for our for uh, for advice. You know? Oh yeah, yep. he's gonna listen to this and he's like, oh, I should. I can go try to get Bradley Beal. I should go try to do that. <laughs> we have two yeah. t- two text chains. There's one with the three of us, and then there's another one with the three of us plus Sam Presti. And we kind of like, you know, we kind of like. Now we just need to get one with Billy Donovan so we can text him during games. Nah, like, no, 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 no. That's too many. That's too many uh, chefs in the kitchen, and Billy will get all upset. <laughs> They need to just do yeah. what we say, and, yeah. and the team will be great. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll make it out. All I, right. I Clearly, I mean, there's t- a lot more that we can talk about for, for the yeah. offseason. Once we yeah. get – it's closer to free agency opening up on July 1st, and once the playoffs are over and we kind of get a better idea of all the teams that are still playing, like what's their situation, um, we'll have a better idea. But you should really – you – the people I'm talking to here and the people listening to this show, if you're, if you're interested in this sort of stuff, you should definitely go check out this 
Reddit um, post. Yeah, it is, is very informative. It's very comprehensive, and yeah, it may it may leave you pretty disappointed because we're pretty hamstrung. If you didn't already know that, we don't really have a whole lot of options. But same that that's that's part of Sam Presti's magic is that he has been able to create nothing out of something a whole lot, or as as uh, our dearly departed Brian Davis would say, <laughs> <laughs> make chicken salad out of chicken something else. Oh um, gosh. Dearly that departed. was one of the greatest Brian calls Davis. of all time. <laughs> chicken salad at a chicken something else. That's a good way to end this show. What do you guys think? Do we want what? What do we want to do with our commentators next year? <laughs> I love oh, Michael. If they don't get rid of Michael Cage, I yeah. will not watch it on Fox. I will listen to Matt Pinto. <laughs> I will not watch the games. I was going to say I'm I love so Michael Cage, but man, he he's got to go. I mean, he's he looks I, like I love him. He's a great personality. I love his I love his positivity, but yeah, we we need something different, I think in that position. What um, if we brought in none other Hubie than Brown. Kendrick Perkins, Kendrick Perkins <laughs> oh, to be the color guy uh, next to Chris Fisher? I nah, people I would hate him now. Be all about that. I'm I, I, he's, he's, he's obnoxious it. right now because yeah. he's trying to get a public. He's trying to get people to pay attention to him. So yeah. he's saying crazy crap. Um, but if he worked for us, he would, I mean, he would be more in line with the, the, our standard guys, which are kind of Homer, but also willing to look things objectively every once in a while. I think he would, what do if that. it was, what if it was just Antonio Daniels? He could just be yelling the whole time, like he does. <laughs> Man, I would love that. I love, I love it. Great. I love Antonio yeah, Daniels. Like awesome. I don't know. I, wonder, I don't know if that's that's how it's going to be. And who's going to replace Leslie McCaslin? I yeah, mean, that's true. What are we going to do? She's not going to be back either. I hope. Yeah, I hope it's someone hot, whoever it is. <laughs> I'm still. I'm still. I'm still <laughs> I still have uh, nightmares about her teeth. Yeah. <laughs> She had oh. the really nice teeth, but they're like, you know how I can eat or <laughs> like just huge like that. I was going to say like in, pol- in political cartoons where they totally exaggerate everything. Yeah, exactly. That was a little bit of what it was that's like. Just her, that's just her real teeth, though. Man, I, we, we have offended every person alive on this podcast today. Everyone. Like we're not, oh, I don't gosh. even think we're going to have negative listens. People are going to listen to this and take back everything they've ever heard from us. <laughs> I mean, it's whatever, dude. School is almost over. I'm feeling excited. <laughs> just want to Actually, let loose a little bit. Let my hair down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Anything else before we close it up? No, I think that's probably enough for today. All right. Uh, follow us on social media, guys, on Instagram and Twitter at podcast underscore thunder. Follow us and we will likely follow you back because we are mostly nice people, mostly nice. And uh, we'll hit you more with more episodes later this summer. Talk about offseason acquisitions and once free agency starts and, of course, providing some commentary on the series that are still going on in the NBA as we uh, wrap up this season. Peace. Bye. Bye.